and we are live on another episode of SEC Tavern Talk. It is good to be back. I took a week off, but Rob was still keeping it strong. Um, he went uh, live last week with Wes on the, the Facebook group. Uh, Rob, how, how did that go? Well, um, so I thought it would be shorter with two O's, and it was one of the longer <laughs> podcasts we've done. So, but two reasons one because we we kind of were we weren't really sticking to any kind of um i gave them a kind of an idea of a game plan or we kind of had one but um we kind of just did it uh as it was a live stream we kind of just did it um kind of loosey-goosey trying to just keep it simple um and you know less is good at um talking for a while and I'm not not bad at it, so <laughs> when I want to. So yeah, yeah I just it, remember. It just on. We we. You remember what? I just remember I was doing stuff, and I remember getting pulling up Facebook and seeing that y'all were still alive, like you know, two hours later, and I was like, "What the heck, man?" But anyway, that's it's all good. We did have several games to pick, but not as many as the previous week when we had like 12 or whatever it was. Hmm. Gotcha. But, all right, anyway, um, let's, let's welcome our guest today. We've got uh, Kevin Briggins. He joins us back. Uh, he's been here a couple of times. What's going on, Kevin? Not much, man. Thanks for having me. Uh, good to be back. Good to be back. Kevin used to actually host a sports show a couple of years ago, and uh, he's actually kind of, uh, I, I would say he kind of sparked our interest in doing this, um, or at least sparked Ashton's. Um, he, he got Ashton on the on the show, and now Ashton, we can't even talk to him anymore. Um, <laughs> but yeah, anyway, uh, and then also joining us, the uh, Gentile, as he calls himself, uh, <laughs> Because um, he's the he's the non SEC fan in the group. What's going on, Josh Littler? What's up, man? Hey, it's good to see y'all. Uh, y'all is that how you pronounce it? Uh, <laughs> y'all, y'all, y'all. Okay, I'm from that part of Ohio that's not close to Kentucky. So, I... man, you sound like a Chinese movie. It's y'all. Say it with authority, y'all. Chris Tucker. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, anyway, good to have you guys. Uh, I thought it would be good to get an Ohio State fan and an Alabama fan on here, two guys that have been on here before, uh, just to, you know, let them, let them duke it out, uh, but not too violent. Um, you know, <laughs> but it's been, a, it's been a long day. Uh, we'll move on from there. Uh, <laughs> Rob, what's, uh, what's on tap for us today? Well, as usual, I wanted to just kind of do the recap segment. Um, wanted to talk about some of the the uh, ball games that, I mean, you know, only the ones that are actually of interest to people listening. <laughs> um, <laughs> but and the including the semifinal games. Um, what games did y'all watch other than your own? I watched Ole Miss Indiana, at least a good por- portion of it. How was that game? I didn't really catch that one. I saw maybe a couple plays, but 
Well, I saw Indiana struggling, and it took me a while. It took it took a little bit of time for my dad to tell me that Indiana's main quarterback was out, yeah. and so they had all that flash and pizzazz against Penn State and Ohio State, but then they they were just a COVID hobbled team. I mean, they put up a fight, but I mean, it just looks so bad. A lot of these bowl games were bad. Yeah, yeah that was the. That was the one and only reason I picked Ole Miss was because Indiana's quarterback was missing. I was like, they pulled the the upset win against Wisconsin with the backup, and I'm like, I'm sitting there thinking, Lightning is going to strike twice. So they they kind of pulled that one out, uh, or or they they couldn't pull it out twice. But um, I just caught the tail end of that like the last few minutes or whatever. Any other games? I mean, I watched Georgia Cincinnati, obviously. That, that yeah. was my game, but just some thoughts of other games if y'all have any. Um, I watched a little bit of the A&M North Carolina game. I did. Um, I watched quite a bit of that, too. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to think what others, what other SEC games were there? Uh, what did, you, did you watch Auburn get curb stopped by Northwestern? I did. <laughs> I, I, I should have because I knew it was coming, but uh, I did. <laughs> yeah. I remember in in the tavern the seeing several people pick Auburn. I was like, mm, I don't think it's going to happen, but, you know, no. we'll see. Well, <laughs> all three of us picked Northwestern. Yeah. You, me, and Wes. Because uh-huh. I read your picks out, but uh... – yeah, that, that wasn't surprising me. I, I I never thought Auburn was that good this year at all. and um, I know that makes Briggins happy here, but it does. <laughs> uh, we, he and I share a hatred of Auburn. But I, I just never really thought they were that good. And I actually think Northwestern is a fairly good team. Uh, they have a good defense. And offense is decent. But... Yeah, you also have to look at it too. You're talking about the number three team in the SEC West versus the Big Ten runner-up, right? Yeah. Auburn should lose that game. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, Auburn's so bad that they needed the refs uh, for, for them to beat Arkansas, a, a three-win <laughs> Arkansas team at home, right? Just saying. That's true. That, that's that how bad true. they were, yeah. So <clears throat> I can dog my own team mm-hmm. and Auburn at the same time. Yeah. Who, who else? Arkansas had Arkansas had five wins this, this year. Just putting that out there. Yeah, they should have. Yeah, for sure. Uh, they got hosed at LSU too. Um, we don't know what would have happened there, but the Auburn absolutely was a game changer. Um, um, I don't know what other games I watched. As far as uh, non-SEC games, I watched most of the West Virginia and Army game, and I was really upset. That army lost. I just, I really thought they were going to pull it through, but oh well. What did y'all think um, about Josh? I don't know if you watched it, but the UGA Cincinnati game. I didn't hear y'all stop on it. I watched the end of that. Obviously, I wanted Cincinnati to win. They got Luke Fickle, who was the defensive coordinator at Ohio State for a while. It's Cincinnati's an Ohio team. I mean, got sure. some friends that have connections to the university. And I always want to see the non-Power 5 beat the Power 5. I know Luke Fickle is going to be looking for a job. Pretty, I mean, there's going to be some offers coming his way. 
losing at the last second was disappointing, though. I felt like he he should have ran the ball. I don't know why he didn't run the ball with the clock running down. And Alabama, like, funny man, uh, run the ball. I think he was just (laughs) trying to be aggressive, right? Because the conservative thing is run the ball and run the clock. I think he Mm -hmm. was trying to be aggressive, get the first down, and win the game. Well, I mean, honestly, I think given the fact that Georgia has one of the best run defenses in the country, he thought, you know, they're thinking we're going to run, they're going to gear up, stop the run, we can surprise them with a pass, with a quick pass option. And I actually didn't think it was that bad of a call. It was just well defended. Um, but I, I I thought the play call was actually a good call. Um, I act, Not that I didn't have any before, but I gained a lot of respect for Cincinnati as a team um, during and after that game. Um, And I have to give a lot of credit to that quarterback. Um, Mid's a very talented athlete, and I I think he could probably do well at a lot of Power 5 schools. Not that he, I mean, not that he's not at Cincinnati, but um, just to his credit. Um, you know, uh, one thing that really, <laughs> I think this has actually got to frustrate more people that are non-SEC fans than it does Georgia fans, but the fact that, well, in a sense, because it kind of, like, the fact that people were saying, hyping Cincinnati and then they lose to Georgia and you don't hear anything about it. It's like, but they still played a good game. So let's give them credit for the game they played. And then if you're going to give them that credit, then, you know, Georgia still beat a good team. Let's give Georgia some credit, but let's not delete Cincinnati's attempt to play a team that's a top, you know, top team in the country. Like, that's not your opinion of Georgia aside, I don't know what each of your opinions are, but, uh, you know, <laughs> but, you know, a, a top 10 ranked team, however, you, whether you think they should be there or not, um, you know, and, but I, I don't know. I think we've got to stop this, like anything outside of the, the four playoff teams are just all horrible teams. None of their ball games matter because I'm getting so tired of hearing that. Like, obviously, some of the games that, you know, Calvin would call the Piglet Wiggly Ball, no one cares about. <laughs> because in, on an average year, what is there, like 40 bowls or something like that? At a point, yeah. it gets ridiculous. But these New Year's Six Balls are nothing to, to joke about. They're still good games. Like, Texas A&M and North Carolina was a good game. You know, and so that's why everybody keeps screaming for the playoff expansion the most is because we keep saying that these games don't matter. That's why we have all these opt-outs. Yeah, but unfortunately that's not going to change, though, because the playoff is the all-in be-all now. (coughs) So it used to be be New Year's Six Bowls. You know, you just want to be in a New Year's Six Bowl. You know, and I think the – player likeness thing needs to be as far as as long as the university doesn't you know benefit off of them make money off of them from it i think the capitalist society like nature of them being able to sell themselves 
if you do that, then these players are able to get insurance provided. So if they get hurt, they don't, they're not out. They can still make money. That's why a lot of them don't want to play in these games because they're afraid they're going to lose their chance to make money, provide for themselves, rather their family. Because once you're out of college, you, you don't have that opportunity. But if they're allowed, if they're able to get good insurance, then that they're fine. You know, they'll be okay, especially if they have a college degree. So, you know, and I'm not going to get into the whole debate about players opting out and all that. That's not the conversation at hand. I'm just saying that, like, certain things need to be considered, and the way we think about things is kind of just crazy. But that's just my opinion. I know it's not when I'm not going to change people's minds. <laughs> well, I mean, I've always been a fan of the bowl games, even even the smaller ones, man, because, like, the vast majority of these kids, this is the last time they're going to play ball. Like, they're not going to be making this their career. I mean, so, you know, let them have an extra game where they go to a different different destination and get all these prizes. I mean, just let them have fun, man. They're kids. Like, uh, so I've always been a huge fan of the bowl games. Um, it's, for me, it's more football to watch, and for them, it's more football to play. Um, yeah. So, I mean, I'm all for it. Keep keep the Piggly Wiggly Bowls. I don't care. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah the Dollar General Bowl, <laughs> Red Box Bowl. Yeah. 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 No. Netflix bowl. It is something to think. Uh, so. Hey, the, the mom, guess Mayo what? Bowl. <laughs> I just won the Poolland Weed Eaters Bowl. <laughs> I see what you're saying, though, Rob. Yeah. I mean, you got to think these executives or university presidents—they want so much, so much money, and they don't want to have to recognize athletes as employees. As they'll try to get away with that as long as they can, and I think that does factor into how you perceive someone like Cincinnati they want to control the perception because that helps move the money mm-hmm. and I think that relates to some of probably what we'll get into when it comes to the playoffs because there's the same it's the same logic yeah yeah I'm, yeah. I'm with you I'm with you but I don't know I just it's just frustrating because um, you know Playoff expansion being, you know, that conversation is what it is. Just what I found. Um, <laughs> sorry, that was my watch. <laughs> Siri somehow picked up. Uh, That's all right. My when I was tucking my daughter in tonight, um, Alexa was talking, was saying something, and of course now she just pops up. Never mind. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> she's, I'm she's, glad you're in. Uh, not. Yeah, bigger because mine would have picked up too. <laughs> yeah, so she started. She was saying something, and then uh, my daughter leaned over and said, "Alexa, I was talking to Daddy." <laughs> 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 uh, <laughs> it was so funny. <laughs> it was so funny. Great moments. Oh, oh man. But yeah, I just I think the way that you know certain things are perceived. I, I think that. There's definitely room for respect for a group of five teams. I would argue a lot of years some of these group of five teams vastly outweigh the Pac-12. <laughs> like, <laughs> should that even be a power power five <laughs> conference most years? Let's be honest. I take, take Cincinnati yeah. against Oregon any day, man. Like, 
I'd, I'd put my money on it. Yeah. 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 I, the, the takeaway, the thing I would take away from the Cincinnati Georgia game is because I don't believe group of five teams, especially not, especially not this year, belonged in the playoff. Everybody said this was the year it should have been the playoff. I feel differently. You, you can't play no power five teams and say you belong in the playoff because you're 9-0. There's a lot of teams that beat 9-0 against a non-power five schedule. I'm just, you know. So, and then playing Georgia and the way it looked against Georgia, they don't like a playoff team to me. I mean, we saw Alabama against Georgia. We see, we've seen, you know what a playoff team looks like. If Cincinnati would have got that four spot and played Alabama, it would have been worse than Notre Dame game. Like, they aren't that, they aren't the elite of the elite. That's what playoff is for, at least for right now, as long as it's only four teams. It's the elite of the elite. And somebody who plays no power five games, I can't see how you can justify being in the top four. Unless you're just destroying everybody, and even destroying everybody, you, you, you're you going to need at least a marquee power five win in there. You know, the way boys yeah. and used to do. Mm-hmm. And, and this is going to lead into a question for Josh, which I don't know if he's been waiting to answer or waiting to avoid, but uh, we'll get there. Um, but the thing, the argument against what you just said that I hear the most is people uh, say that, oh, well, you know, they, it's hard to schedule because, you know, they're scheduled years in advance, blah, blah, blah. And sometimes they can't get teams to schedule. I'm like, well, you don't have to schedule in Alabama. Nobody's asking you to schedule the best of the best. They're just asking you to schedule someone that is, you know, in the, you know, top 50. You know, something something to show, prove that you played a game that uh, some form of strength of schedule. That's all people are really trying to to get you to show. But when you don't. You know, when you're UCF and you self-proclaim national championships, no, no one cares. Like, <laughs> it's just a joke. You know, I mean, I give some respect to Cincinnati, but yes, like you said, if they were to schedule one or two Power Five games, they would have a little bit more credibility. And so, and I, I'll play this. We, we saw Cincinnati play Ohio State last year, and we saw how ugly that was. Is they're not on the same level. Cincinnati, uh, Cincinnati, oh, Cincinnati, yeah, yeah. yeah. I think there's two two issues with that. One is there has to be a way to judge a team as they are now without thinking about the year before. Look how like look how quickly LSU flipped from <laughs> wor- from first to worst, right? There's the, the problem is there's no objective standards like uh, at least consistent ones across the board. So, I mean, my question is, I guess some of that, some of it's been answered already. You know, what if I'm an athletic director for UCF or Cincinnati and I say, Hey, I want to get to the college football playoff. Can you give me a path? How do I get there? And really the answer is always, you know, schedule these marquee games. Well, then how many, two, three, and eventually the answer becomes, you got to join a, a power five conference somehow. And there, there's a lose-lose situation because either you try to be independent and you lose all the benefits of having of being in the MAC or the Sun Belt, or you 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 try to get to a big Power Five 
and they're going to want you to have so many winning seasons in a row, which is almost impossible. That's why I, I really think Liberty made a genius move going FBS independent because they could set up games with NC State, which they lost by one point, or they could beat Virginia Tech like they did or, or um, Syracuse like they did. And they could start impressing people without having that restrict that that uh, scarlet letter of group of five, you know, having that sort of uh, scrutiny on them. So, yeah, this this definitely needs to be this this a dummies book, like athletic director pathway to the playoffs for dummies. Like just give them a path. <laughs> there's no path because there's no money. That's that. That's ultimately what yeah. we come. Go Flames. Well, that's fair. Yeah. That's fair. Yeah, yeah. go Flames alone. <laughs> yeah. I, I guess, I guess my, my counter to that would be, yeah, we can talk about the money, but at the end of the day, I think we have to stop pretending that the group of five is playing the same level of football as the power five. It's not the same division. It's just not. You can't tell me going through the AAC or going through the Sun Belt or going through Conference USA is the same as going through the SEC or even the Big 12, like or the Big 10. You can't tell them that's the same level of football. It's just not. So at the end of the day, the group of five really needs to be its own thing. Because as long as we're talking about four best teams, right, there's no way. It's not there's no way. It's just going to take a lot of help. It's going to need a, like a Boise State. You know, I remember Boise State went and beat Virginia Tech. They went and beat Georgia. And then they would blow out everybody else in the Mountain West. You're going to have to be like that team to get in, right? Um Outside of that, you can't tell me you beat Tulsa in your conference championship game and that's your marquee win. Nobody wants to hear that. Uh-huh. Tulsa, by the way, the Tulsa team that lost a 3-7 and seven Mississippi State team in the bowl game. Like, we, we can't keep pretending that this is the same level of football. It's just not. So that, that's kind of where I am. Um, we can keep having this. It, it just bothers me that people on television, the Herb Streets, they keep saying they deserve to be in. They deserve to be in. Knowing good and well, they don't deserve to be in. But they're making a political ploy to mm-hmm. say they do. But they know downright yeah. they wouldn't put a dollar on Cincinnati against any of those top teams. They just wouldn't. Yeah, I mean, as long as as long as it's just four teams, you can't do it right now. I mean, if eight, they if eight they ex- teams would solve it. I mean, yeah, if they want to do eight teams and g- give them one automatic qualifier. Yeah. I'm down with that. I don't care. Um, but right now, when it's just four teams and there's five Power Five conferences, yeah, because I look at it like this: the the playoff. Remember this: this is what people always think. The playoff was never intended to be all inclusive, right? How do we get to the playoff? We start with the BCS because we want to make sure the top two teams in the nation played each other. Because before the BCS, the top one and two teams all the time didn't play each other in the bowl games because of conference tie-ins. So they got rid of conference tie-ins. BCS one and two will always play each other for the championship, mm-hmm. right? And they said, well, sometimes there's a third team that's kind of that has an argument to be the best team in the country. Okay, well, we go to four. We'll make sure we always get that third team in there. That's always it's always about making sure the best teams in the country play each other for the championship. It has never been about giving somebody a chance or being all inclusive. We change the narrative. That's what bothers me. We've changed the narrative about being inclusive now when that was never the goal of the playoff. Well, you know, everybody wants to be inclusive, right? I know. It's just a popular thing. And now you got people on TV saying, it's not good on 
they deserve a shot. They deserve like that has never been the argument. <laughs> Nobody has ever said Troy in the Sun Belt deserves a shot at the national title. Like that's just how do we get here? You know, college football has always been an elitist sport. It has always been the cream of the crop going at each other. Yep. But now all of a sudden we got to be, you know, we got this diversity and equity and stuff. So. Yeah. Yeah. None of us well, deserve anything except for hellfire and damnation. <laughs> Just saying. That is true. With, on that note, Josh, I want to ask you about Ohio State. And with that, I think that we would all agree that with this question, none of us think that Ohio State was not good enough to make the playoffs but just i want to know your thoughts on the only playing the six games including the championship your thoughts on that whole idea of them getting in or just not getting in for not playing the games or whatever just as an outside or mm-hmm. as a non-sec outsider i don't want to you know. As an insider, really. <laughs> yeah. <But>. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I was trying to like, I was like, really an insider, not outsider. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I mean, this is the debate, right, between who's the most deserving and who's the best. That right. just always seems to come up, and it's been that way this whole time. And Ohio State's been around the playoffs for a long time. Obviously, the very first one came in, surprised everybody, and beat Alabama. And Zeke, you know, was a man possessed. Yeah, that's right. (laughs) They came in as number four under the controversial decision to exclude Baylor and TCU because they didn't have a conference championship game. And so that will always be the dispute. They never belonged, right? Um, And then later you had 2016, Penn State wins the Big Ten championship. Now, as an aside, my in-laws are Penn State fans. My wife and her family are all big Penn State fans, so it's a little in-house rivalry. And, of course, that was big when they won. They beat Ohio State. They won the Big Ten Championship. But who got into the playoffs that year? Ohio State. And they put up a goose egg against Clemson. Mm-hmm. Last last year was a little bit more of a fight. Um, but all, those, all that time, I just want to say all that time, I, at least in 2016, I said, no, Penn State deserves to be in because they won – a conference championship like there has to be some objective standard there has to be some metric some way we measure success so i think personally we have to find a system that determines who's the most deserving just like every other sport in in existence baseball football you win your division you get in the playoffs look at washington football team <laughs> right <laughs> Yeah. They're, they're shooting off fireworks and celebrating and uh, opening champagne bottles because they're the champions of a division that's a dumpster fire. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but yet they get to be number – isn't it number three seed or number four, four. seed? Four seed. They're four seed. They get to host Tom Brady and the Buccaneers who have a better record. That's because they have a division and their standards. Like, okay, this is a division that represents football, the NFC least, and they're going to be <laughs> the champions <laughs> in the playoffs. That doesn't – I mean, basketball, same thing. I think they changed the rules with divisions and seeding, but still, play play, and get a certain record, and you'll be seeded, and you'll get in there. College football doesn't have that, and, that's, and it's a problem. I think it's a huge, huge problem because 
you and I can sit around and and say, here's the standard. This many wins against this strength of schedule, you deserve to get in. But that committee is not thinking like that. It's the college. I, we want we want there to be a standard. We want strength of schedule to matter. And so personally, if I'm going to take off my Ohio State hat, I'm going to be honest and look at the numbers. I have to say the standard for getting in the playoffs was not met by Ohio State. There was not enough metric to determine if they if they should get in. All right, it's not about eye test. There should be numbers. There should be something done on the field to say this team deserves to get in. Texas A&M, they, I mean, the hypocrisy this year I think was very evident. There's complete hypocrisy on the committee. I, they're not even. The, I don't call them the playoff committee. They're the college football payoff committee. All right. <laughs> they, knew, they knew that Ohio State and Notre Dame were going to give them some TV revenue. Texas A&M, what are they going to do? Some used car salesman and Piggly Wiggly Bowl commercials? <laughs> I, they, you, you can't tell me they didn't think about this when it came down to it. Because you know, the hypocrisy, Clemson and Notre Dame play each other uh, twice before the playoffs. And last game of the season, Notre Dame gets their butts handed to them by Clemson, by a full-strength Clemson team. And yet Notre Dame still sneaks in. But then Texas A&M has a great season, has a full 12, 12 games. They lose one game to Alabama. So you think, okay, Notre Dame lost to a playoff team and got in. Texas A&M, shouldn't they get in because they lost to a playoff team also? No. they got to be on the outside looking in. So that's why I, I, I fully admit, and I've talked to every Ohio State fan I've talked to, has agreed. This is based on money and TV revenue. So I'll be honest, like, I've never, I haven't interacted at least face-to-face with an Ohio State fan that says that's been the fanboy. Oh, yeah, they're the best. They should get it. We're going to beat the brakes off Alabama. There's no problem. We were all pretty much expecting Ohio State to get demolished by Clemson, and he surprised us. It's nice. It's a pleasant surprise. But it was a surprise because we had nothing else to measure it by. We played all of the – we played the, the St. Andrews School for the Blind for six games. <laughs> We got nothing nothing good coming our way. So I fully admit that Ohio State did not deserve to be in, but it's because I'm using objective standards. If you take any right. research methods or statistics professors from any of these schools and you call them out and you have a meeting and say, give us an objective standard, I guarantee it's not going to match what the, the payoff committee uh, did. So, I'm, I'm again, I'm rooting for my team. I'm glad they're in the final game. I'm, I'm happy for it. They, they're if they win, they win the, another college football invitational tournament. But we have to just call it what it is. Call the tournament what it is. Call the, the committee what they are. Just call it like it is and say this is an invitational with less than objective standards that are put forth to select these teams. Yeah. Yeah, and and you know my I, I didn't necessarily say this in the tavern when we were kind of going back and forth, but. I think it's less about the six games per se and more about what happened in those six games that Ohio State played. Now, granted, the Big Ten Championship was a good win, but other than that, I didn't feel like the quality of their wins really said much to set them apart in the top teams discussion. Now, if they had the chance to play the whole schedule, probably so. A, a 10-0, and 0, you know, Ohio State team wins the Big Ten, 
how you gonna? I mean, it's gonna be you're gonna be hard pressed to keep them out at that point. Like to say that they're not one of the top teams at that point. Um, but there's just not enough to go on. So that I think that was my biggest concern. And it would, you know, granted I have feelings for my hatred of big of Ohio State in the Big Ten, but objectively, I think I would. I would like to think I would make the same argument for other teams that did the same thing. Um, so that's kind of where I stand, at least stepping back and thinking about it um, kind of the same way you are. Um, but I respect the fact that you acknowledge that as a, an Ohio State fan. A lot of, a lot of, we got a lot of all fan bases. We got a lot of homers that <laughs> would not admit yeah. to it. Well, I, can't believe, huh? I can't believe I have to take up for Ohio State. I can't believe I have to sit here and do this. Um, I believe every time Ohio State has gotten in, they've been the right choice to be in. Going back to 2014 with TCU Baylor, they were the right choice. I felt I did not feel Penn State should be in. Washington, why know why Penn State should be in? Because every game counts. They lost a pit. They had two losses. It wasn't just beat Ohio State win the conference you're in. Out-of-conference games count just as much as in-conference games. This is college football. You can't just lose out-of-conference, then jump in your conference and get an automatic bid. No. They lost the pick, and they lost by 30 to Michigan. So, no, they shouldn't be in just because they would have, you know, they won the, the Big Ten. They had a, they were a good team. They are two-loss team. They weren't the playoff team. The season starts week one. Um, and then even this year, I can get it. It's controversial, but it's also COVID. Right. I mean, I think the committee made up their mind before the season even started that they knew there were going to be teams that was, weren't, some weren't going to play a lot of games. So I'm going to play. It's going to be a mismatch of games. And they decided we're just going to evaluate what we have. And I think they decided before the season, because you got to remember the Pac-12 only had seven games on the schedule. I mean, so I, I, that this year was going to be hard and controversial to judge the teams anyway. Right, it was going to be a crash. Honestly, I think had A&M not got completely blown out by Alabama, they might have gotten a a lot better look. Exactly. But because they got destroyed, like, I mean, Georgia kept it closer than A&M did. Yeah, I mean, so you had had, um, Texas A&M at five, who had already lost to Alabama by 28. And then you had Oklahoma at six with two losses, with a loss to Kansas State. Like, it's hard for me to say, well, well who, who should be in there then? You had, until until the SEC championship game, you had Florida at six, which that was more, way more than Ohio State. That, that just <laughs> drove me up a wall. Look, no team I hate in the SEC more than Florida. But here's the thing. Regardless of who it is, what I don't understand is how I understand you've got the eye test, you've got, you know, the best thing, whatever. But there has to be some kind of punishment for losing to a three win unranked team. Otherwise, why have the game at all? There, yeah. There's no point of playing it. There was, what point there do you was... forgive that? What point do you absolve it? Because, like, Ohio State, when they won the first one, they, they lost an early game to Virginia Tech. It was like week three. They lost to Virginia Tech, then they had to dig themselves out. And just wonder, right? You but got when you do it early it just in the season, so subjective. See, I think there's a difference between losing early in the season and losing late in the season. 
Not to the community. You, That's true. But there should be. There should be. Hey, Why? Hey. Week one. Games count week one. You know, let's... they do count. They absolutely count. But you fall and then you can work your way back up. But if you just lose and then step, move one spot, like. But see, that's the poll. There's literally. Huh? Yeah, that's the that's the kind of poll mentality. In the polls, you lose, you drop. It's just a rule. It don't matter who you lose to, when you lose, you lose, you drop. That's just kind of the rule. The playoff committee it hasn't been the case. And this is the thing too. Florida's sitting there with two losses. You said it was one to LSU. So you lost to A&M, they lost to LSU. They got two losses. Who else has two losses? Georgia. Florida beat Georgia soundly. So the committee, what they did... I'm not they advocating did, for Georgia. No, no. But I'm saying what the committee did was they did not move Florida past Georgia. They're both scenario two losses. Florida beat them handedly. They weren't going to say, okay, Georgia's now better than Florida. Yeah. And so the, the ceiling for Florida to fall was where Georgia is. And that's what they did. They stayed in front of Georgia. So there is some method to the madness is all I'm saying. And there was punishment for Florida losing to LSU. The punishment was uh, Texas A&M's win against Florida didn't look so great. <laughs> yeah. Up until that point, I thought Florida was a shoe-in for the playoffs. Yep. And, and that's, what, that's what it did, too. It oh. kicked them out the playoff. Regardless of what the ranking was, mm-hmm. they could have beat Alabama. They weren't getting the playoff. Yeah. I think that was a shoe-in. Seriously. <laughs> Honestly. Who throws a shoe? <laughs> yeah. Oh, that was horrible. Thank you. Thank you for doing this. Voice. <laughs> That's great. Oh, man. Well, um, a quick rundown Ohio State National Championship. This, we're not getting into the debate of the championship yet, but um, keys to win. Like, what, you know, just give me the kind of rundown of Ohio State side of things. Uh, I would say, first of all, no one get COVID, please. Uh, I still don't know why Master Teague wasn't in these games. He just seems AWOL. Concussion. Uh, what's that? He had a concussion. Oh, uh, okay. Because I looked it up right before a Clemson game. They said they, they don't know why. Yeah. So I hope he comes back. It'd be nice to give Sermon a break. You know the, the difference? I was looking at the stats. The difference between the Big Ten championship game and the Clemson game was Sermon. Sir, Clemson held Sermon to only uh, 193 yards. He was less than 200 yards running. He only had one touchdown out of those means. It was all Justin Fields. I think it's because they they figured that uh, they were going to give it to Sermon. So Clemson was ready, but Clemson wasn't ready for 50, 60-yard bombs. Uh, and that's where a lot of the, the production came from, 385 yards for, for Justin Fields. So... Uh, everybody stay healthy because Alave was in it, and that's the difference. Alave was not in the Big Ten championship game. So for all the grief Ohio State got for um, not really being the breaks off Northwestern, it was because Alave wasn't there. One one player really makes the difference, I feel, when it comes to these games, the later, later you go in the season. So everybody stay healthy. Um, I say our offensive line needs to do the same thing they did against Clemson. I think they were the big difference against Clemson was that offensive line was letting nobody through, and it was it was so good. Um, I think that's been our weakness, to be honest, this whole season was the offensive line, and they played like a completely different group of guys. If they can just pull, dig deep and pull the same stuff, I think we'll be good because I think Ryan Day's got something good. He's He really is the heir apparent to uh, Urban, 
uh, he seems to be using the same method, same mindset. He, they groomed him really well. So just do just do the same thing that got you there, and they're going to be good. I, I still will. I know, I know you said we're not going to get into the game predictions yet, but um, if I were to be completely objective and just looking at how Alabama's played, I have to say Alabama by seven. I know everybody's going to kill me and say, oh, you're not, oh, you're not a real fan. Look, I just want to be a fan of the truth and statistics and math and the sport first. So I'll just, I need to be honest that I think we're still at the disadvantage. We're number three for a reason. And I think I want to tip my hat to Alabama because they got just a good, well oiled machine. Or is it all, all well oiled machine? <laughs> Depending on which part of the where they say all, then. I, I had my mom's side of the family, by the way, is from the deep says from Alabama. My grandma had moved up to uh, Cleveland when her when she was uh, 13 back in the back in like 1940. So, okay. <laughs> just just FYI, <laughs> just being <laughs> See, no, I don't I don't think that makes you any less of a fan to be objective. I just think that makes you not a homer. There's nothing yeah. wrong with that. Um, I mean, if you full, if you think that it's going to be that close and you think your team has a chance to win, there's nothing wrong with picking them. But, you know, people, I don't know. I, the only time I'd say things like that is when you have a David Pollock who tries to be an anti-homer and almost always picks against Georgia. I'm like, dude, <laughs> you actually think he's going to win. Stop, stop caring about the the – backlash of it. Just pick who you think that'll legitimately win. That's all I ask you to do. That's what you get paid to do. Like, well, Rob, if it makes you, you know that, look at Desmond Howard and Kirk Herbstreit. They don't they don't pull any punches when talking about Michigan or Ohio State. They vote for the, they almost always pick their teams. I mean, mm-hmm. <laughs> I, if it makes you feel better in Ohio, most down to like most salt of the earth fans, like I'm talking not the non Herbstreits, the you know. I think we're just regular people. We're honest. We're not homers going. I mean, there may be a few that drink a bit too much at the bar and go crazy, but I mean, for real, most people are, are pretty down to earth. It's when they leave Ohio and they got to try to stick up for themselves and they got to, they <laughs> yeah. feel, feel like they have to be in that spot uh, that they, they get pretty silly. So that's fair. We, we get a little crazy as SEC fans on it. <laughs> but, uh, uh, Briggins, um, give me your, your thoughts on the game. Actually, before you do that, I want to hear your thoughts on the uh, so offensive we'll coordinator vacancy. Yeah. yeah. Um, my first choice was the, the name that came up last week because he was in town, and everybody's speculating he was in town for the OC job, and that's Bill O'Brien from the uh, Houston Texans. I like getting, I like getting NFL guys in. Um, I think they out-scheme the college guys, uh, out-game plan. Um, and so that's kind of who would be my number one choice. I mean, you, you can bring a college guy in who runs a wide-open offense, and he has a system, right? We had that in 2018. Mike Loxley had a system. And once that system gets shut down, then you're kind of they're kind of done. They don't know what else to do. NFL coordinator, they, they make adjustments better to me. Um, Sarkeesian, he makes mm-hmm. adjustments, you know, Week to week, you don't know what Alabama is going to look like, what plays they're going to run. It's not the same three plays every every game. Like it's, I mean, it's it's amazing what he's doing, moving guys around with formations and just doing different things. Um, Brian Dayball, when he was our OC, 
Uh, we won the national title. He's now the OC for the Buffalo Bills, and you see how they're doing. So I'd rather stay with the NFL trees rather than get a college guy who's kind of running the air raid or something like that. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm I'm with you there. I mean, I I think that solid. Um, I mean, I like Todd Munkin despite what some people say. You know, yeah. I'm like, you know, you, you do what you can based on the personnel you have. Yes. and the readiness of that personnel. Yep. I think Georgia's finally got the personnel, but I mean, we didn't have we didn't have a, uh, an established quarterback most of the year. So what are you going to do? Now yeah. we lost what we lost. I'm not making excuses. I'm just saying, as far as he's concerned, I think he did a very good job with what he had, and I'm optimistic of the future of our offense with yeah. what we're bringing back and what we're recruiting in and that sort of thing. Yeah. Um, I'm very happy with my biggest thing with like our past OCs like Jim Chaney and Coley was they just didn't make adjustments. They would they had their system and they would be stuck to that. And yeah. I'm like, you can't do that, especially yeah. not in the SEC. You cannot do that. <laughs> don't but, get don't get us started on Jim Chaney, man. <laughs> oh man. But I had to endure it too. There, uh, isn't there someone else? Uh, was it one of the Jets coaches or something? Yeah, Adam Gase. Gase. They, yeah, they threw his name out there because he coached for Saban. He started out as a GA for Saban at Michigan State. Uh, but I would want Gase because I've heard he's too tied to his system, and that's what's kind of gotcha. Uh He okay. won't adjust his system. He believes in it, and he just thinks you just run it right. You know, it'll execute. And they basically say everybody's caught on to his system. So I don't want Gates for that reason. Um, okay. But the, the kind of college names that are out there, Kendall Brown from Arkansas, mm. uh, his name is out there. It, it's, <laughs> it's the whole, no, it's the Baylor thing, right? Um, <laughs> Major Applewhite, who just left as an analyst to go down to South Alabama to be an offensive coordinator, there's a chance that he could come back up. But like I say, out of all the options I've seen, I'd much rather have Bill O'Brien. I mean, where's Calvin Howard? We need to get him on to talk about some. Bill O'Brien. <laughs> he he was not too popular in Penn State for that hot second he was coaching. Really? You guys remember that? Yeah, I thought he was. I thought he liked him because he kind of saved the program. The fan base hated him because there was this leaked call. You remember that was all that drama. I mean, I, I gotta say that because I was you know just married at the time and hearing all about Penn State from my in-laws and. Uh, yeah, this call leaked out where he's like, I don't want to be bleepity bleepity the new Joe Paterno. They expect me to be Joe Pud. Uh, Basically, he, he soiled the name of Joe Paterno, <laughs> and he had all this pressure to be his heir, his heir apparent, yeah. his yeah. carry on the legacy, and he wasn't about that. Yeah. So that's one of the reasons. So I don't know, being, being not the head coach, uh, he would probably be under the radar there. So yeah. that's just interesting to think about Bill O'Brien and how he's moved. Yeah. Journey. Yeah, because you got to remember before he came to Penn State, he was the Patriots' offensive coordinator. So, mm-hmm. um, so. so he's better uh, as a so he's better as a bridesmaid than a bride. Then. Yes. Yes. And I'd say I've enjoyed the Nick Saban coaching rehabilitation clinic. The name is <laughs> <down there. laughs> it, It's been a benefit, and so that's oh, that's another thing because of that. Tom, Tom Herman's name has been thrown around. Because he needs to come to the coaching rehabilitation clinic. Maybe he comes back as OC. Build his reputation back up and send him on his way. Yeah. 
So, well, can we just all agree that Texas is not back? And with that, <laughs> give, us, give us your Amen, brother. Give us your thoughts on uh, on the game. Um, man. To me, I mean, it's going to be a challenging game, but to me, it comes down to what Alabama has done all year and what's really been the key to this team, and that's the offensive line. The offensive line has made everything work. Um, if you look at the highlights, we run some really long developing plays, and the offensive line has kept Mac Jones up and clean to let those plays develop. Now, we lost our center, uh, Dickerson, in the Florida game, and uh, we played the, we played the um, Notre Dame game without him, and we, we looked good, but there were some leaks that weren't there early in the season, uh, which is expected. You, you lose your starting center. Um, but we need those guys to play their best game. Um, if they do that and Mac Jones is upright, I think Alabama wins the game. If that's not the case, um, I think either way, this game is a high-scoring game. I, I don't think we can stop Ohio State. Alabama's defense, is, it, hadn't been good, it hasn't been good in three years. Um, and the minute we play a really capable offense, especially a dual threat quarterback, it's just, we, we look horrible. Um, we can't stop the quarterback run. So another thing is going to depend on fields is health. If he's healthy or if he's not healthy and they don't want to run him, that helps Alabama because we cannot stop the quarterback power run. Um, Ole Miss did it to us. Florida did it to us. Um, they, they would bring in Emory Jones just to run the quarterback run, and every time he got five, six yards. We just couldn't stop it. Uh, I don't know why. Alabama, we have four or five stars on defense, and they just can't seem to get it together. I don't know what it is. Um, so I think, not getting the scores yet, but yeah, I think it's going to be a high score game. Okay. Well, JB, why don't you start making the pick for us? Um, Bama's favored by eight. I know that you hate to pick this game because of your feelings for both teams. Um, <laughs> but uh, Alabama's favored by eight. The over-under is 75. I mean, do I... I don't know what that reaction was all about. We. <laughs> I mean, I, I, who do I vote for? I mean, do I vote for Hitler or Pharaoh? Like, I'm just... <laughs> Uh, I thought. See, I thought that reaction though was you looked like you were like, "What are you talking about?" I don't like. I don't hate both of them. I was like, I mean, it's pretty clear. Uh, so yeah, I, no, I, my reaction was just like, yeah, I, I don't know who. I, yeah, you're right. I, I don't. I hate to pick this. Uh, of course, I also hated to pick you know Alabama versus Notre Dame. I mean, like. <laughs> well, I tell you what, don't pick the winner. Just pick the loser. Just pick the loser. Yeah. Okay. America. 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 Uh, we're we're gonna win, win, win. Um, Ohio State will lose this game. There you go. Uh, they, there you go. Ohio State. It's about perspective. Ohio State will lose uh, their first game of the year, um, and they will be. And they still won't, won't have as many wins as, you know, half the SEC. Um, yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Okay. No, well, I'll say. Since you're going <clears throat> by that. They're going to lose by more than eight points. Isn't that the spread? Wow. Yeah. 
Um, yeah, it's, it won't be much more, but I think they're gonna. I think I don't think they'll. I don't. I don't think Ohio State will beat the spread either. Um, and it is gonna be a high scoring game. I'm with you, Briggins. It's gonna be an all out offense. I mean, I, I'm I'm kind of going back to that Ole Miss game, man. Like it was just nuts. Um, so I'm assuming you're taking the over. I'm taking the over. Yeah, it, it's it's going to be a okay. it's not going to yeah. be a typical SEC game because it's not. I mean, it's not going to be a typical Alabama game um, from from years yeah. past. But it's going to be more like the Alabama game, you know, this year with uh, Ole Miss. But I, I don't think, uh, yeah, it's it's going to be a high scoring game. I'm gonna. I'm going to go ahead and say Alabama wins, but they do not cover. I'm going to take Alabama by seven. Um, I think that it will be two offenses, but I think Alabama will get it done at the end. And I will take the over because, I mean, let's be honest, 75 points. That's a 40 or 35 game. I mean, that's, that's all it takes to reach that. And then, you know, so I think it will be – It'll be fairly high scoring. Well, watch um, it. Rob, watch it be. Said Justin Fields is, is can't read defenses. He's not good. <laughs> hey, some, somebody's that, so. somebody's been listening to the show. So I, I did say that, and I actually stand behind that, despite the fact that I also said, in case you weren't listening, that he's one of the best, if not the best, athletes in the country. He is an incredible talent. A lot of people would assume when I say that that I'm bitter about him leaving. I don't. I don't know why he came to Georgia in the first place. Honestly, that made no sense to me. Why would you come where you have to compete when you're one of the top talents in the country, unless you're willing to compete for the job and stay there and stay the course, and think, oh, I can get because it just it didn't make sense to me. So him leaving. I understood that. I didn't have a problem with that. I had a problem with the way he left, but that was more his dad than him. Like, his dad was trying to get him immediately. I don't like that stuff just because I don't like the underhand way you go about it. But as far as him seeking the best opportunity for himself, whatever. I I like the kid. I think I, I have nothing against him personally. I just have seen... Him play like him playing against defense. I saw it at Georgia, and I see it. the The defenses he's played as a compared to the SEC have been such in his tenure there that he's been able to get away with not being able having to read it because of his athleticism. He's got a super uh, like strong arm. He's got an accurate arm. He just doesn't go through his progressions that well, in my opinion. So he if he gets pressured and doesn't have much time, he's prone to making more mistakes. But I don't think Alabama will necessarily put as much pressure on him. And for one, because he can get away. He can, he is very versatile on his feet. So that's his advantage. I don't know. I was more speaking on his ability once he goes to the NFL. I don't know how that will play in, depending on what team he gets drafted to, honestly. I don't know how that'll suit him playing for the Jets. <laughs> I mean, 
you know, I mean, it, it worked in in the first year for, you know, certain quarterbacks who weren't as good with reading defenses. Um, didn't work so well for Mike Vick, but Mike Vick also wasn't the best as far as accuracy was concerned. <laughs> he just was super athletic and had a cannon for an arm. So, you know, I, that is in no way meant as disrespect towards Justin Fields. I just think he's lacking in that area some, um, but I, I, I think I think he's got enough in his arsenal to be competitive. And Ohio State's got a good enough team to where it'll be a good game. So, all right, um, <laughs> that's fair. But anyway, um, you may have some pushback thoughts on that. I don't know, but um, you made your pick for the game already. Um, so, as far as the line and the over-under, what are your thoughts? For me, I'm still thinking it's it's Alabama by seven. So, I don't think they okay. cover the spread. Um, I like that pick. I it depends on if pick. Justin Fields is healthy. I'm assuming, I'm assuming he's relatively healthy, but they're not going to say much. He took that. That was a really hard hit. That was a bad hit. That targeting hit. Yeah. So. Speaking of which, I didn't. Somebody explain to me how that was targeting. It was a. It was a rough hit. But I didn't understand how that was targeting. Any hit that the defender uses the crown of the helmet is targeting, no matter what part of the body is to. So the yeah, minute he put his head down like that, it was targeting. You gotta see, see what I you hit. I thought it was to the. I thought it was always to the head. Head of the neck area. Yeah, that's the most common, but and usually when they do duck their head down, they're hitting somebody up in the head and neck area. But yeah, they say anytime you duck your head down and use the crown of your helmet, it's a targeting call. And that's for the defender, actually, because I saw that replay. I was like, he could have paralyzed himself when he put his head down mm-hmm. like that. Because it was like a car crash. I mean, you saw Justin Fields' body just kind of cave in. Think what's going on in his neck, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, he needs to keep his head up and see what he's hitting because he's going to paralyze himself. Well, and just briefly, I, I've said for years that I think there should be offensive targeting as well because a player, a running back, so many times goes in there, lowers his helmet, goes straight for the defensive player, and the defensive player just has to either take the hit and be absorb it, basically, or what do they do? They stick their helmet down, and then they either get still, they get blown over, or they get targeting. And I'm like hold on here, they initiated the contact, leading with their helmet, why isn't that targeting? You know, I mean, so just because you're the defense <laughs> doesn't mean you should always be the guilty party there, but that's just me. I, I, I think that there's got to be some balance there because if if the ultimate goal is their safety, then the argument goes both ways. Yeah, well, I, I say less targeting calls, and I know what they're trying to do, but I think to me, some of the targeting calls are just so incidental. It can't be any contact, right? Because if I keep my head well, in my seat, I think any, I think as long as you don't use the crown of your helmet as a weapon and, or leave your feet, right, to, like, spear somebody, take somebody out, yeah. then you should be good. But if you go in for a tap and my head is up and we kind of touch helmets and stuff, that can't be targeting. You can't you know? do anything else. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's where the rule is poorly defined. And... I don't think unless 
even if you're going to call it, unless it's for malicious intent, like clear malicious intent, you should not be thrown out the game. A 15 yes. yard penalty, sure, but we are we are taking these kids out of the game for making football plays. This is getting ridiculous. I'm yeah. all for being careful. Listen, I've had more concussions than I can count on one hand. So I'm <laughs> speaking from someone who's... who's it, it, shows, it shows, Rob. It shows. <laughs> that, that's fair. That's fair. But I'm speaking from experience. I understand the risk, and I understand what goes into that. But at the same time, what there's so many cases where what else is a defender supposed to do? Yeah, and like what's funny is they review those calls too, and I'm like, how many times have you watched this and nothing has spoken to you saying that this is not? To, uh, I you mentioned it, Rob. Arkansas should have beat LSU, dude. That was a shoulder to shoulder contact. <laughs> like there was nothing that could have indicated targeting, and they watched that call over and over and over and over again. It's like, well. Ruling on the field stance. Really? Yeah. <laughs> like, come on. Yeah. It, it's poorly defined. It's poorly called. I mean, I understand the, the need for the rule, but it needs to be very clearly defined, and it needs to allow for certain cases. Like, I'm going to speak of my own team for just a minute. I'm not saying they never target, because <laughs> they definitely have. But the hit against Kyle Pitts that initially injured him. The dude was making a play that was the ball was thrown high, left him high and dry to catch the ball. He made a good catch. But then he comes down and his body naturally lowers his head. Well, Georgia, the player had already started going to make the tackle. You can't stop in the middle of your your motion like that willy nilly and just not make a hit. That that force was going to happen. It was unfortunate, and it was a bad hit, and I'm sorry that he got a concussion. I don't ever want to see anyone get hurt. But those kind of plays, what you can't you can't prevent it. So I'm okay with that being a 15-yard penalty if we're going to say that we're trying to worry about their safety. But he gets tossed out the game. How is that, how is that right? You know? So it, it's just... Yeah. I don't know. It, it's it's a very poorly called and very poorly defined in the rule book. Can we can we just bring some more gray area in in officiating games? Like bring back the incidental <laughs> face mask. I mean, <laughs> let, let, let's let's do let's let's do a targeting without ejecting a player if it's incidental. Like let's just do let's do some gray areas here, guys. Everything's not black and white, even though that's what you're wearing. So. Oh my God. <laughs> Oh man! Oh, but all right. Let's uh, bring in your thoughts yeah, on this game yeah, before I, we I, get I, too far off. Dad jokes. Yeah, Dad jokes. Um, <laughs> <sighs> man, I've did. My score is I've taken over. I'm going way over. Um, I know Vegas is smarter than me, but I just don't see any way we are slowing Ohio State down. That's debatable, yeah. by the way. <laughs> and I just think if Alabama is going to win this game, it has to be on the offensive side. Yeah. Um, and so I'm going 51-41 shootout. And that's about like a 20% confidence. Because I really have no confidence in our defense. I just don't. I hadn't seen us slow down a good offense 
in, like I say, three years. 2017 was the last time we had a defense. 18 was horrible. 19 is horrible. 20 is, man, you know, you've seen the two offenses they played Ole Miss in Florida. And both of those, they had troubles just getting them off the field. They can't get off the field on third down. Um, and Ohio State's a balanced team. Not only can they run the ball and throw the ball, but then you got the quarterback running ball with them. And that's going to depend a lot, too. Like I said, if Fields is not healthy, and they say we don't want to run him, and they just let him stay in the pocket, they don't call quarterback runs for him, that helps Alabama. But if he's he's a full go and they're running him like they normally do, yeah, it's going to be yeah, it's going to be a shootout. Yeah, and so and I say shootout just because Ohio State secondary still has issues. I mean, we saw the the Indiana game, um, and even Clemson had a lot of success throwing the ball. It was just kind of inconsequential because Ohio State was just bombing on them, and so. Um, they kind of took the they kind of, kind of took the game out of Clemson's offense's hands um, because they just couldn't keep up with Olave and those guys. Um, but I, I, I was watching some film study on the Clemson Ohio State game. Clemson did man, they made a lot of mistakes, and I said a lot of mistakes. It was a lot of bad play. Their safeties were horrible in that game. They were flat footed. I mean, Olave's in full speed. And then the safety is in a zone and then having to turn and run with somebody who's already in full stride. Like, what in the world was that? It was it was some bad defense. And um, the person who was breaking down the film was kind of saying, Clemson hadn't played anybody all year long who could really stretch the field vertical on them. Ohio State was the first team they played. Notre Dame doesn't stretch the field vertical on you. Um, and the only other team in the ACC that does it is North Carolina, and they didn't play North Carolina this year. And so they just hadn't been tested. The very first time they got tested was Ohio State. So it's almost like we kind of overvaluated what Clemson was on defense because we hadn't seen them be tested on the back end. Um, and Ohio State just took it to them. And so um, Alabama's better on the back end, but I just don't think we, we don't stop the run well. We give up the, the middle of the field is weak for us. Our linebackers, our safeties, they don't cover well they don't match up well they don't they blow their assignments too much we can't cover running back out the backfield we can't cover a tight end down the seam it's just it's just the middle of our defense the edges two corners great the safeties and the linebackers in coverage are kind of if it's third and six you're probably going to get it because they're going to leave a tight end open it's just it's frustrating half of ohio <laughs> state's touchdowns were that uh tight end Yep, absolutely. Oh, trust me, I, I noticed. I was like, where's that tight end we can't cover? Like, we just, I just see it. I've seen it for three years in a row now. Ever since Pruitt left and went to Tennessee, our defense has not been good. That's why I went for him to be fired, so he can come back to the Nick Saban coaching rehabilitation clinic. Oh, that's coming. So, Oh, I know. I'm waiting on him. I'm like, come on, Pruitt. Come on, Tennessee. Pull that plug. <laughs> it's coming. But, like I say. Um, now, you're, you're lucky that Clemson didn't injure Fields enough. The injury wasn't so bad. We have to use our third-string quarterback. <laughs> that is true. That is true. Ooh. Actually, I don't even know who it is this year. I don't know who the backup is this year. He had some reps, and I, I forget his name, but they said he's <laughs> another five-star recruit who won all yeah. his high school championships. You know, it's like, uh, I guess I'll learn his name next year. <laughs> yeah. um, I think it was Kirby, because Kirby was the defensive coordinator for that game. And I think – once Kirby went to Georgia, somebody asked him about that game. And he said that they over, they underestimated Cardell Jones. 
They really did. He said, we, we just underestimated. He said, the coaches did. He said, our players did. He said, we tried to tell them, hey, man, this guy can throw it. He said, but until they saw it, they, yeah. you know. Um, He's a key employee. Catch. He's from yeah. my hometown, so I'm proud of him. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, what he did in those three games, Wisconsin, Alabama, and Oregon, man, that was a great run. So, mm-hmm. um, but this game Monday, I say that's my score, but I have no confidence in our defense. So my like my confidence level in the pick is like twenty twenty five percent. To me, this game is a coin flip. So shootout. Yeah, buddy. That's exactly what I said. I said they win by. I said they win by a little bit more than eight. Um, you, yeah. you said they win by ten. So there you go. Yeah, and it's like a fourth quarter touchdown. Yeah, put the game away kind of deal. Not you know. Yeah, but. that yeah, I, I'm with you there. Like I, when I said that that uh, Ohio State won't beat the spread, I mean I think it'll be close throughout the whole game. Oh, yeah. But I think um, I think Bama you know pulls away there close to the end. Um, so, yeah. well, that was fun. I want to mention something real quick, help you understand, you know, where I'm coming from with this whole game. I'm happy, I'm excited, but the fact that we didn't get to play Michigan makes mm. this a non-season. <laughs> I grew up, my dad always tell me, I tell my son the same thing, that if the Buckeyes win every single game of the season but lose to Michigan, that season was a failure. But if they, if they win every, or they lose every single game but beat Michigan – the season was a success. That's the only metric. Everything else is gravy. Yeah. <laughs> Everything else is just on the side. So right now this is kind of a nice consolation prize. If they win, it's a wonderful honorable mention to a 2020 season. But not being able to play Michigan and beat the brakes off of them, it just feels like I just lost something. Like the football season never really existed. <laughs> I, I'll say this. I used to feel that way. And in 2017, Auburn, Auburn beat Alabama in the Iron Bowl. But we still got in the playoff, and we won a national title. I don't even remember the Iron Bowl. Like, <laughs> <laughs> and so with all the fans on yeah. the your face, like we beat you, I'm like we won a natty. Like I don't care. Like, yeah. <laughs> you won your little your, your little yeah, championship. You your little, I know we're your Super Bowl, but you know we had bigger things to go do. All right. So yeah. you know, I get I get the feeling. I'm with you, Josh. Man, like. If there's if there's a Big Ten team that I dislike more than Ohio State, it's Michigan, and that's that's only come in recent years because of khaki pants. Um, <laughs> I'm just hairball. Yeah, hairball. Yeah, like, and and it, and it's not even that, that I just dislike him that much. It's just like he's the most overpaid and overrated coach in football, not college football, in football. Man, this dude is just and yet. <laughs> They're talking extension. Oh, no. right. Yes. What has and he all done? Ohio State fans are like, yes, please sign. His his he's never beat Ohio State. His record against his biggest rivals, not just Ohio State, but just like you take Ohio State, Penn State, Michigan State, um, his record against them is about as good as Brady Hoax was. Like really, and they ran him out of town, but they want to give this guy an extension. <laughs> It's because he's a homeboy. Him and Urban Meyer were born in the same Toledo hospital. And he, he went to Michigan and played. And he went to the NFL and he came back. And it's, he's a homeboy. And they want they, they like that. But he can't even use that to his advantage in recruiting. Pe- people are running away. He, he can't recruit. 
I was, that's what I was going to say. He's never going to beat Ohio State because he's not recruiting at the level that, that it's going to take to beat Ohio State. How can you know, yeah, how yeah, can yeah, an NFL yeah. quarterback not recruit a quarterback? I just don't understand it. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, you can find he, him in Tecmo Super Bowl. He, he plays for the Bears. Gets Donovan Edwards to come there, and that made me mad because Georgia was big after him. Yeah. Well, the problem was, of course, he came from Stanford and then the 49ers. And so when he came to Michigan, he comes to that two tight end pro style offense. Yeah. Well, that, that don't work no more. Mm. And then he said, okay, we're going to open it up. And then he hired somebody who's never been an offensive coordinator before. He hired Alabama's wide receiver coach, Josh Gaddis, who is a great recruiter, but never been an offensive coordinator before to come and input this new spread offense. It hadn't worked out. I mean, he, he should have made a better hire than that. That was a bad hire to me. But yeah. regardless, he's, he's, when you look at the way Ohio State is recruiting, nobody else in the Big Ten, including Michigan, is on their level. And he's not going to beat them. Because this is the thing. He, Kaki, he, he has certain players. Like a couple of years ago, when they had you know, Devin Bush and all those guys, right? But the back end of the defense, he didn't have the full talent. And so Ohio State said, we're just going to pick on your little slot corner who's horrible. And they just, they just destroyed the kid. Like, made the kid cry. Um, and he's, like, he's just never going to have the full complement of talent to match up with Ohio State. Yeah. Especially playing, well, I know he just fired Dunn Brown, but playing that Dunn Brown defense where you put your corners on the island, corners aren't good enough. When they play Ohio State, they're just not good enough. The talent doesn't match up, you know, but – so I don't think you're ever going to lose to him for a long time. So congrats. That's so good. <laughs> it would be the counter of how many days since Michigan beat Ohio State. I mean, you add another 365 to it. It's going to be, by the time they play again, it'll be close to 3,700 days. Yeah. Oh yeah. So, I will say this. So beautiful. You know, Alabama-Tennessee is a big rivalry. Tennessee hasn't beaten Alabama since 2007. Yes. It's a counter. It's just Ticking and ticking. 2007. <laughs> for a robbery. I mean, that's a long that's a time. long time. Mm-hmm. And they were, yeah. to think about four or five years ago, there's rumors coming out that they want to offer it Harbaugh a lifetime contract. <laughs> <laughs> he can buy a lot of khaki pants with that kind of I would love money. to see that. He's just a weird guy. For it. He's, he's just a weird would... guy. I would trade every national championship ever to be to guarantee if a guarantee being Michigan every year. <laughs> I hate him that much. The rivalry really is that intense because they started it yeah. back in the early 1800s. Yeah. So this goes back a long time. Yeah. A good buddy of mine. He will never say their name. No, I'll mm-hmm. never ever utter it. I'll say it every once in a while. Not not when it's a, if it's the week we're playing them. I. I yeah. Yeah. Y'all, y'all don't, y'all don't even, y'all won't even use the, the letter M during that week, will you? No. I try to, <laughs> try my best. Not, yeah, and then we'll, we'll say, we'll joke and say, don't swear in this house. You know, someone yeah. says it. Yeah. That sort of thing. My dad's parents both met as students at The Ohio State University. So, right. my, and my ancestors, the Littlers, <laughs> have been in the state since the early 19th century. So, it's been, been a long time here. Okay. All right. Well, since we're talking about uh, uh, Josh and being the Ohio person he is, uh, you're from Cleveland, right? That's right. Yeah. Born and raised in the city. Okay. So I got I got to ask you. We 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 typically ask our our guys on here um, if they dunk their babies, but we've already asked both of y'all that. So we're not gonna I'm not gonna put you on the spot there. Um, spoiler <laughs> alert: they don't. Um, 
praise God. Um, <laughs> but my my question for you, Josh, since we've got uh, yeah, since we've got Briggins on here and he likes to talk about this every once in a while, and since you're Uh-oh. since you're from Cleveland, um, oh, here we go. Um, oh no. Where do you stand on the uh, Jordan and LeBron debate? Oh no. You had to ask me. <laughs> I mean, I I definitely go with LeBron. And there's a few reasons why. One, while while MJ was magical during the time I was a kid in the '90s, because I was born in 1989, by the way. So, um, I got to at least hear of his mystique during that time. LeBron came and revitalized the Cavs. He gave us a reason to watch all the time. Uh, and I saw something pretty magical there. So I mean, it's it's. I'll admit it's very subjective. It's very, uh, you know, nostalgic based. And the fact that he gave Cleveland the championship gives me a lot of reason to say that. Again, it goes by how much you measure. If you just want to say championships are all that matter, then then that's you. Go, that's that go right ahead. Now, obviously, Bill Russell would win, and you have all that issues with. But the way the way that LeBron won. And he got he got a silver medal so many times. I'm going to give him credit for those. He's got four now. He's got four gold medals. To come into Cleveland that hasn't won a championship in a long time to deal with all that pressure, and deal with all that, and to, to drag a uh, I don't know who now I can't remember who's to drag Richard Jefferson and Mo Williams and uh, Sasha Khan and those guys into to a three one comeback. Of course, he had Kate, Kevin Love and. Kyrie for like five minutes, but to have those guys and drag him to win and come back from down three to one, I think gives him all the credit as number one. So I'll give it to LeBron and I might argue statistics and we can grab Brandon Craig to drag out all the NBA reference archives. Uh, I think there could be a case either way, but again, again, it's how you measure it. And so I'm just going to stick with a very nostalgic, very Homer, based argument and let the other guys talk the statistics because win a championship for Cleveland, our first one since 1964, that means everything in the world to us. So That's fair. I, I kind of figured it would be nostalgic, especially when you said you were born in 1989. So um, I'm like, yeah, you didn't really watch Jordan in the heyday. So. <laughs> yeah. But I saw him in person once. When it was a Cavs Wizards game. <laughs> oh, the Wizards! That Jordan doesn't count. <laughs> uh, I saw I saw Shaq up close one time. Um, the Magic played uh, an exhibition game in the Pyramid, and I'm from uh, the West Memphis area, and I, I got to go see that game. And I like I made my way to the front gate. And I saw them walk by, and then I saw Shaq. I was like, oh, my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, oh, gosh, I'm, I'm probably 10 years old at this time, you know. <laughs> like, uh, uh, it was crazy. But anyway, well, it's been fun. Just uh, I'm gl- yeah. glad to have you guys on the show um, to see a, a, a repeat of the national championship from, what was it, 2014? It was the first. It was the semifinal. It was the first round. Oh, it was the first round. Okay. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. It, it might as well have been the actual national championship because Oregon yeah. was oh, overrated. Gosh. Yeah, exactly. That was the national championship. You're right. Um, but yeah, it's been fun. Uh, just uh, till next time. 
Remember, brothers, let your light shine before men so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father in heaven. And we'll see you in the tavern.